Hello, boxing fans around the world. Thank you for joining us one more night on the Friday Night Panel. Tonight we have a special guest joining us, Lou Eisen, boxing historian, and the fellow who gives us those controversial fight recaps every Sunday. Done a fantastic job, but he's got a new book coming out he's going to talk about and his upcoming interview with Russell Peltz. But before we do all that, over to you, Mike. Let's get the bills paid, guys, right? That's, that's what we would do it here. Yeah. Well, guys, today's episode is being brought to you by the BetStamp app, which is helping thousands of people win at sports betting for free. The same way travelers use Google Flights or Expedia to find the best prices, bettors can now use BetStamp to do the same. When you place a bet, the odds given by a sports book will determine how much you can possibly win, even when betting on the same outcome. Different sports books will offer varying payouts, and these differences can be huge. Thankfully, BetStamp allows you to easily line up the most profitable odds across all sports books. You can click on any matchup and instantly see all the different odds for game lines, player props, and even future bets. Line shopping is the simplest way to find an edge in sports betting and maximize your chances on winning long term. And on average, BetStamp users win an extra $1,000 plus a year early just by line shopping. And guys, you can find that BetStamp app on your Apple, Apple iOS store, Google Play Store, or through the browser at www.betstamp.app. To access all these benefits, sign up using promo code Talk and Fight, and start your journey to successful sports betting today. And if you forget to use our code upon sign up, you can always go and enter our code in the BetStamp account settings afterwards, guys. So go check that out again: www.betstamp.app forward slash Talk and Fight, or you know, you can always hit up our QR code right here. Perfect. So now that we got that out of the way and the bills are all paid, let's talk about them. All right. Hey, Lou, why don't you start us off with a bit of a recap for those viewers who may not know you, um, what you've been up to for us on Talk and Fight every Sunday. I well, mean, first of all, I, I color coordinated my shirt tonight with, with my shirt. <laughs> so I, I hope you... Because we're those kinds of guys. Yes. And, and speaking of that stamp, I, I didn't know this till recently, but friends of mine made a lot of money betting on my first marriage they took the under and the over under so that uh i wonder what were the odds on that one I think it was 15 to 1 against but you could take the over under between uh 20 years or more so most of my friends took oh, the under the first and it lasted 17 years so they they wiped up they they cleaned up. It sounds like pretty good. Yeah, I got wiped out, but they. Yeah. <laughs> which is, which yeah. is why you're in that jumpsuit. Yes, that's right. That's why I went to Millhaven, and now I'm back. Let me. Yeah. So on Sundays, what I do is I I do um, it, it'd be it's kind of sad that I don't remember the name of my own show, but it's Ring Talk. Ring Talk. And we we thank you. We look at fights from the past and talk to and you know find out controversial fights and find out what really happened. And what I've been doing recently, I've been speaking to a lot of authors. So a couple of weeks ago, I had William Detloff on, and he had his new book out on the great Matthew Saad Muhammad. And I, uh, coming up, we got Christopher LaForce in a couple of weeks, and I think next week, and he'll be talking about his new book on Tommy Ryan, the former welterweight middleweight champ, and Joe Kowinski. And then I got Randy Roberts, who's been on every Ken Burns PBS special he was in the one about Ali. He was in the one about Joe Lewis and the Civil War. And he's written about Ali and and Joe Lewis and and boxing extensively. Brilliant man, Pulitzer Prize winner. 
And uh, this, and Nigel Collins published Ring Magazine and now at Ringside Seat. He'll be talking about his book in, in July, Hooking Off the Jab. And this Sunday we, we have this gentleman, Russell Peltz. And this is his book and $30 and a cut eye. And Russell's from Philadelphia, which is why I was hoping Tim would be here tonight because Russell, you know, worked with everyone. Um, Mike Rossman, Matthew Saad Muhammad, Yaki Lopez, Bantamweight champ, Jolton Jeff Chandler, Bam Bam Hines to beat Matthew Hilton and uh, Eddie Mustafa Muhammad. Worked with a lot of light heavyweight champs. Uh, you know, he worked with everyone, Roberto Durand, and he's in the Boxing Hall of Fame. Just a, a great raconteur and a great book. And he doesn't shy away in the book from talking about mob involvement, uh, especially in Philadelphia. And, you know, it's nothing you could do about it. It's just, it was there and he got along with them because it was expedient. So out of curiosity, just a quick little question here. I think, I think it was back in 1976 when I saw the first Rocky movie. Mm-hmm. 75 but i'm just kind of curious uh was was russell like part of the scene back then or was or was he still a kid he was in the scene back then on the on the back cover picture of him as a young man putting up posters when he got into boxing <laughs> wow because what he did he was working for the philadelphia bulletin a newspaper and he wanted to get the boxing beat and they said no this guy who's in his late or early late 70s he wants to stay there. And he said, but I'm a young guy and I can travel. No. And so he had enough of that. And he just started to go to fights and, and write about them. And then what happened was he just, you know, he got sucked into it because he loved it. And then he started to promote his own fights at the blue horizon and then at the Philadelphia spectrum. So he, he worked with a lot of, um, I mean, over 50, I guess, world champions and, he had a fighter that was ranked number one in the world, Tyrone Everett. And the story in the book, it's kind of sad. He was a, um, a lightweight and he was going to get a title shot. This is, I guess, mid to late 70s. And he called to tell him, hey, you're getting a title shot. And his wife answered and said, I don't think so. I just shot him in the head. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> and what do you mean he shot him in the head? I think he was unfaithful. So that was it. He was done. And then. There were different fighters he had that one guy was um, uh, coming back from Vietnam and uh, had PTSD. So he would help the guy, the guy would be nice, and other times the guy would be nuts. So, but he started to put fights on and he would deal with different people. You know, Jeff Chandler had um, uh, a mob manager who disappeared one day and Russell was good friends with him. Just. No one ever, they found his empty Cadillac, never found him. And so he brought in uh, Becky O'Neill, who, who uh, his real name, I think was Baron And she uh, was four foot eight. And she acted as the manager because her husband had a criminal record for killing someone and couldn't be the front manager and ended up helping him get, a, get to a uh, world title. He was going to talk about how he's able to succeed in that particular world <laughs> thick with um so how so are you saying he competed with no he worked or against the mafia no he, he he had to deal with them uh his dealings were above board but by the same token you know that they're unavoidable 
Right. You know. Right. So you, you, you have to deal with them. You have to pay them their percentage. And, you know, he was mentioning, I think in, in the other, Nigel Collins is coming on soon, one of my favorite people. And right. he was saying how when he started to manage fighters before he became a writer that, you know, one of the other managers was a mob guy and, you know, uh, they took their, they split their 10, 20% and the other 70, 80%, the trainer and the fighter did what they wanted to do. And he said, the great thing about being in league with a mob guy is you, you're guaranteed to get your pay. Huh. No one screws with you. You know, the trainer or the fighter can't say, I'm not giving it to you. And Nigel once said that uh, the fighter went up and picked everyone's pay, like the the manager's pay and trainer's pay. He wouldn't give it back. And this mob guy just said, I think you're going to give it back. <laughs> you know, and he just handed the money, signed the check over immediately. So are, are you, are you going to discuss with Russell whether the mob is still active today? Uh, probably. I, I mean, how he deals with it. It definitely is still active today. Right. In, in many forms. Right. Um, you know, in, in, in my book, which I just sent to the publisher today, uh, the thing about my, uh, I mentioned, and I was warned by a lot of people, Angel Dundee in particular, he said, if you're going to talk about the mob and boxing, you should really stop in the early 60s because all those people up to that point are gone. So you're several generations removed. And he said, this was 212. He said, they're still there. I just wouldn't mention it. Right. Because they don't appreciate it. So the way it works now, Bob Arum was saying, is that what happens is you sign a fight. You know, he signs a fighter to a title fight or a big fight. And you get the fighter's fee and you get the, the manager's fee. And there's an advisor named, named you know, Vinny. And he gets his 200 grand. And if you don't pay him, you don't get the fighter. Right. And that's just part of doing business. Right. And a lot of these sanctioning bodies, uh, you know, co are comprised of convicted felons. But a mutual friend of ours has been good to me, was on on uh, the internet the other night saying how much he loves the sanctioning bodies. And I remember when Angelo said to me, you gain nothing by arguing with someone, you know, who's connected. You know, if, if they have that kind of power behind them, what do you gain by making your point? He said, I knew that Liston had his gloves uh, tampered with the first time he fought Ali. I knew they put Tiger Bomb on, Tiger Bomb on them. But right. my brother Chris said, why mention it? You want them to come and kill you and your family? Just say, you know, it was sweat or whatever. You don't gain anything by bad-mouthing these people. And they'll never get, you know, as William Detloff said, you know, it's been in the sport for 300 years. You'll, you'll never get rid of it. The only difference with the mafia, as we know it in North America, is they, starting from Dempsey Carpentier in 23, 21, they made it um, an organized North American-wide uh, organization. Whereas before you had gambling syndicates in local cities would go and threaten fighters to lose. Then it, the mob just, it wasn't worth it to the mob because the pay was so little. You know, to them, Tommy Burns getting 30 grand to fight Jack Johnson, it's gonna cost them more to set guys up to rob them than they're gonna get. But when you have Carponche's making, and MC making millions, 
and then you have the concessions and, and then the film rights, then you get in two, three, four, five million, then it's worth it for the mob. So is that why there's such a split or a fragmentation in the industry today? I think that, you know what, I, not until you'd have said that now, but that's a good reason because that, that makes a lot of sense because I, I don't like all the different sanctioning bodies. I liked it better when well, everyone likes everything better when they grew up because they were younger and healthier, but, but you had eight champions, eight divisions. Everyone knew who the world champion was. Right. Well, the only benefit to all these organizations is that more fighters make more money, but there's also more criminals involved making more money. You know, I mean, WBC always says, well, you know, we're collecting money and we're giving money to all these boxers in need. But every time I ask Jose Suleiman or his son, Maurizio, or anyone there, can you name me one boxer who fought for you, your organization that you're giving money to? It's not your business. Well, I, I would think you'd want to be proud and promote that. It's just not your business. Yeah, good point. You know, so, and, and I remember someone getting angry at me for talking about the IBF. And they said, they're, they're the most upfront, honest organization. I said, there's like 25 of their guys are in prison doing time, including the former president, Bob Lee. Wow. You know, and, and boxing's open. The, the question people always ask, why boxing? And, and because there's no centralized body. Right. You know, so it's easier yeah, to take over. So it's, it's, it's frustrating. But it's it that criminal element's always been there. Always been there, and uh, you know we have a lot of interesting situations today uh, with respect to shall we call them free agents mm -hmm. who are commanding a lot of and, and and several of those fights are upcoming. You know, so I have to wonder how much the, as you describe them, the criminal element, have to do with these uh, bodies and management companies and now uh the various uh licensing fees with respect to broadcast rights and live streaming rights right. so who 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 is really controlling all of this well, well money going back and forth well that's a great point because sanctioning bodies are really places to launder money for criminals <laughs> right wow. that's, that's basically what they're doing because you know in in my book for instance i have a chapter on the Ken Buchanan fight with Roberto Duran in 72. Duran hit him low after the bell in the 13th round, deliberately fractured his testicle and the referee awarded the fight to Duran. And uh, when I spoke to Angel Dundee, he said, I don't think it was a mob fight. I just think the referee was a moron. And he refereed my fighters fights. I didn't want him, he was stupid, but, wow. but what can you do? But, but when you know when you look at that, uh, um, Buchanan held WBA WBC titles. Here, what you say? And he wanted to fight Duran because Duran was the guy he makes the most money with. But the WBC kept saying, "You can fight Duran, but you're going to have to pay us this fighter of ours, who's ranked 25th, uh, fifty thousand dollars step aside." Right behind him. Mm -hmm. Right, and so he pays the fifty thousand dollars step aside fee. Then the WBC says we want another hundred grand. And finally, Buchanan yeah. just said, "Take your belt and shove it." Yeah. 
I'm, you're just extorting money from me. You don't <laughs> want me to fight Duran, who's the biggest money fight out there. You want me to fight your guy who's not even ranked. And, and that still goes on. Tim, welcome. Welcome back, champ. Right on, yeah, Tim. You look, you're, looking, you're looking healthy. Yeah, I've been training hard. Um, hey, everybody, how you doing? Um, I've been training hard. I've been teaching a couple of boxes. But what happened with me was uh, my daughter had a change in job and had to babysit my grandkids. That must and the I should have called a couple, one time, two, twice. I, I could have came on, but I forgot. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I, um, so today, today she's off and she got the grandkids. So at a certain time, I got to watch them at this particular time. Ain't there something? So well, you know what? So I, I, in a couple, a couple, a couple, maybe a month and a half, it'll be all good. I was, but I was at this particular far, time. Let, let, let me just, I, I'm let me just introduce you there, Lou. So, so Tim, out of curiosity, yes. do you know Russell Peltz? I know him real good. Well, then, in that case, you'll be interested to know that the fellow we have on screen with us right now, Lou Eisen, uh, is about to interview Russell Peltz uh, okay. about his book called uh, $30 in a Cut Eye. So uh, we've been having a great chat so far with uh, Lou, who's a boxing historian and an hey, author. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? I've so spoken he, with you before. Yeah, okay. Russell, Russell was kind of tough. Listen, Russell was kind of tough when negotiating and talking about uh, giving like boxers like little breaks and stuff. Um, and it made the boxer stronger. I don't know. I know you wrote the book. It made this boxer more hungrier because he didn't get breaks like every like a lot of the promoters did. He made you. Oh. Am I right? He made right. you he fight that fight. I don't know about bonuses and all that, but. Um, he, he made you work everything. for it. Yeah, he huh? worked with Eddie Mustafa Muhammad, um, uh, Bam Bam Hines, who I said beat Bam Bam Hines. Hines. Um, I was Eddie's sparring partner. Uh, he also worked with uh, Saad Muhammad. If Saad was, Muhammad. If it was up to me. Eddie Jeff was, Chandler. Yeah, Jolton Jeff Chandler, the, who I think it's criminal that, that more people don't know how truly brilliant a fighter he was. He was the undisputed bantamweight world champion he was he was good he's really not doing really good right now right. i seen him about a couple of months ago but everybody was talking about it he's not communicating that good and he had mike rossman and the jewish bomber i was sparring yes. him i was in the same gym with him keep it coming keep it and coming had, <laughs> the, the saddest story in the whole book which had me in tears was tyrone everett who had oh. he had more talent they, that Russell said, Nigel Collins, Angelo Dundee told me this kid had more talent than any fighter we'd seen in 50 years. And then he gets murdered by his wife. Yes. And we, it was just sad. You, yeah, but you, you know the circumstances, you know what happened, right? I think she caught him cheating or something? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. And then. Well, don't go to bed bad with your wife. Yeah. His brother Michael tried hard. Mike Everett tried pretty hard, but he wasn't as sharp as uh, his brother. He was good, but not as good as uh, Tyrone. He was slick and everything. Yep, that's and the name you heard was Tyrone Everett yeah. back in the day over in Philly, even before I started boxing. Wow. Tyrone Everett, Saad Muhammad came on a little bit after that, or around the same time. Yeah, Angelo said Tyrone Everett. Angelo said when a fighter was great like yourself. He used one word, special. 
He said, if you're not special, you can't be in the sport because you'll get hurt. He said, Tyrone Everett was special. He was. He you was. Know? I wasn't even boxing when he was doing all that big fighting. I was. I just heard him. Tyrone, Tyrone uh, and, his, and his brother. And then he had, it was Eddie was another one. I don't think he made it that far, but. Yeah, they was the name in Philly when I was before I started boxing. Tyrone Everett, Tyrone Everett, then Saab Muhammad. You know, uh, Afonso Evans. Afonso Evans yeah. was with, with, with you know Afonso Evans? Yeah, I was reading about that, but yeah, I know all about him. And and they you know, um, as you know, Russell Peltz did five of Marvin Hagler's fights. And one thing that always annoys him is the fact that Willie the Worm Monroe beat him. <laughs> all these revisionists on online who are 20 or 21 who know nothing about boxing say that he got robbed. He didn't get robbed. Hagler got beaten and badly by Monroe. He knocked him out again. He knocked him out in two other fights, but not first fight. Monroe. <coughs> I said, was blessed. I yeah. was blessed. I was with Willie the Worm in training camp. Yeah. I was in the same gym. Who Boogaloo else did you Watts. say? Um, who else did you say? Boogaloo okay. Watts. Boogaloo Watts, I was in training camp with him. Sure. You, the names that you yeah. saying, I was around them. I'm blessed, man. I'm blessed. Well, I got, I got to tell you, because Cyclone Heart, Cyclone Heart, yeah, the great Cyclone Heart, and they also, he mentioned something in the book that Angela said to me, and Nigel Collins said that in the world of boxing, as you know better than anyone, there's tough, there's super tough, and then there's Philly tough, and Philly tough. Angelo said, when a guy like Foreman or Liston hits you and you just smile back at him. Those are the kind of guys that have no fear. Bad Benny Briscoe, guys like that, who Bad just, you can look at them and, and try to give them a stare down. It's not going to make a difference what you do. A lot of it is psychological and a yeah. lot of it is real hard, but it's yeah. psychological too. You do the psychological stuff, even though you got that heart. And right, you got double things, yeah. And Russell, when he when when he published the book, published by Benny Hello. Benny Briscoe, <laughs> Benny Briscoe Productions. So it's 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 fascinating. Started in '69 at at the Blue Horizon and went to the Spectrum. He also promoted uh, Billy Dynamite Douglas. Who was Blue Eisen going on Twitter. Yeah, Billy Dynamite Douglas. I like that one. Yeah, I saw Russell about a month ago. We was at an event. And I wait. We I said hi. We talked about 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 thirty seconds. That was it. You know, um, I can't believe that I've been around all these great guys, and now I'm here talking about them. And, and how many of you? I'm two time heavyweight champ, but I'm just like I was Woo! around all these guys and got knowledge from all the most some of them. Why don't you right. write a book? Why don't you have Woo! a book on your career? <laughs> Well, there was a book, real quick, guys. I don't want to burn up the time. The, the guy from England um, um, wrote a book, but he, he really we didn't finish it because um, I was asking him certain questions, and um, I, you know we wanted to put in everything, like like people extorting me, people money and guns and knives. He didn't want to put that guns and people being threatened. He didn't want to put that in there. So yeah, when I told him. I just look, man, there's a lot of stuff about the mob. There's a lot of stuff about this and that. Um, he, he like got up. He didn't get upset. He was like, I don't think we should do that. So he we stopped talking to each other for about 10 days, 15 days. Next thing you know, somebody from England called me saying that the book is a really nice read. And I said, what? 
We didn't even finish the book. So he published the book without putting all the mob stuff in it, the, the other stuff in it. And um, we're going to, I'm going to try to attempt to, uh, to try to get someone to, to is even better now because it's, it's more knowledge now. It's more people. It's more, I met friends after my career. So that will be put in the book. So if somebody try to write a book now, I think it'll be better than that one because that one was really good. But now since we waited, it could be a lot better. Well, you know, in Russell, <laughs> he's shaking his head. Hey guys, guys, can I say something here? No, no. We have to steal the deal over here in the corner. Listen to Mister Lee, man. Like I might as well just split. You guys are having a great time. You don't need me around here. Yes, we do. Wait a minute. Oh, okay, all right. Wait, then, 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 your hat. No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. If we go like this, the deal gets the microphone. Now it looks like no, now they look no matching. Why are you leaving? I ain't going nowhere. I'm just playing with you. Oh, God. All right. So listen, Let me I take a drink to that. Let me take Lou, a drink. Lou, I want to say something. Lou, I've been yep. watching your show. Fantastic. I am so Thank blown you. away by you, Mr. Lou. It's absolutely amazing. I'm listening to you all the time. You're teaching me everything all the time. I want to thank you for that. Of course, Mikey Orr over here in the corner down here. We all know that. <laughs> That's big Mike. Stamp and all that. There's the big boss over there, Grumpy Graham. Right? <laughs> we know, everybody knows Grumpy Graham. And now I get to meet the real deal. Over here, Mr. Tim Witherspoon, who I've been watching as a young boy, my friend. I watched you every I'm younger fight. than you. I watched every fight. I've seen every one of them. Nobody can dispute it. And I always wanted to meet a guy like you, you know, the guys of your era. I like you guys, like, you know, the Lennox Lewis's, the Larry Holmes's. Oh, hold on. Before I go past that, tell, can you tell me a little bit about that Larry Holmes fight? That's something maybe we don't know. I was always intrigued. Like, Larry Holmes is like Larry Holmes, you know what I mean? And you're Tim yeah. Witherspoon. He's that was a heavy situation. Well, what was going on there? I think well, Neil's a little starstruck. Well, yeah, well, yeah, and I don't. That never happens. Ask anybody, but that I'm like, never happens. It never well, happens. I mean, the I thing is, the thing is, I had a lot to represent. I was born and raised ten minutes from where Sylvester Stallone made the movie The Rocky. Yeah. We yeah. had all these great boxers from Philadelphia. I'm yeah. from South Philadelphia, where the Italian and the Irish and the blacks all lived together. Um, yeah. Like I said, my mom took me to the Italian market just like he did in the movie. We used to wave to people and say hi and wow. um, buy groceries. Then I went on to become the two-time heavyweight champion of the world, the oh, Philly man. Shell, all yeah. these different things. I ain't going to argue about anything. I'm really <laughs> blessed, so. you know, just to be, to be a part. So I had a great trainer, and that's who got me there fast. I only had seven, eight amateur fights, seven, eight amateur fights, and I was 22, I think. Uh, he got me. If it was anybody else, I wouldn't have made it. Who was your know? right. And there's a whole lot of one for you. There's a lot of things in the city. The, the, those trainer, fans, the fans in Philly, man, they crazy. There's <laughs> other places they're crazy, but they support, they support you a lot. And yeah, yeah. I had a lot on my shoulders. I was young. I had a good, sure. if I didn't had that good trainer, I don't think we'd be sitting. What here was today. his name? Slim was Robinson. He trained oh. the Jewish bomber, right? Mike right. Rossman. Oh. Yeah. Mike yeah. Rossman was oh, in the okay. old fashioned okay. gym yeah. whipping yeah. everybody butt. Slim Jim. Oh. He he he. Uh, yeah, he was a boxer himself. Didn't he fight Ali at one point? Who Slim? In the early sixties. Slim fought fought Georgie. He was a middleweight. He fought oh, okay. Georgie Benton. He right. fought a lot of other guys. Well, Georgie everybody knew him as slick as Slim Robinson. Is really slick and smart boxer. Georgie Benton's one of the all-time great fighters and great trainers, too, that there should be a book about. The man was brilliant. 
Yeah, they should. They should. You know, there's a lot of good people there, so, man. So Tim, I also remember. I actually remember when you fought James Broad, Broad or Broad, and then your second defense there was against Bone Crusher Smith, and that was serious, man. Bone Crusher is a bone crusher, is he not? Like he hit hard, did he not? Hey, listen. Um, I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna just. But you tell took you him down in the twelfth. The first time, if you watched the first fight, I I, I nearly shut him out. Yeah. Uh, I could I I could have knocked him out. But I heard yeah. him a couple of times in the fight. Oh yeah, I won, I won almost every round. But in the second fight, it was really political. I knew that um, Don King was really interested in Mike Tyson. He didn't care about Bone Crusher, me or Tony Tubbs or any of the heavyweights. He was just we were just meat getting ready to put out for Tyson to eat up. So he was sitting. Oh, on I the, see how that worked. Yeah, he was sitting I on heard the about tenders sort of up yeah, to fight yeah. Mike. And at the time, he right. was trying to get Mike Tyson. So. Right. The second time around, I was supposed to give Tony Tubbs a rematch. I went, I went over right. this on the show before, and um, they didn't, and they didn't want to give Tubbs the rematch, so they brought Don King, brought Bone Crusher in. Right. So everybody was on me, me, Tim. You ain't gonna win. They ain't gonna give it to you, even if you go to the distance, because right. Don King' main interest is Tyson. So right. um, he was treating me bad. He was treating me bad. And and so I talked to my people. I said, I'm not fighting Bone Crusher. I fought him already. I beat him. And yeah. he's a hard puncher. No, yeah. I'm not going to get in there knowing I'm supposed to fight Tubbs. So we, we took yeah. the dive. And I felt bit bad about it. I talked to Bone Crusher. He said, no, I knocked you out. I said, okay, Bone, I'm sorry that we had to do that. That was the plan. And so yeah. they went on with Tyson. I was only going to get 50000 to fight Tyson if if I would have um, continued yeah. on with this with this, with this uh, approach to, to, to fight Tyson, I was only getting 50000 in the contract. That's wow. weird. So, so you think I'm going to get in there and fight some more guys? No. 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 I told my group real quick. We got 10 seconds. I told my group, my trainer, and he said, he said, Tim, it's cool. I said, look, I'm not going in there 10 rounds of that hard behind puncher. I did it before, and we're going to sue him later, and that's what happened. I, I, nice. listen, if he knocked me, me out, I'm gonna I'm gonna say okay, guys, he got me, but he didn't. I watched those fights with Angelo Dundee. So when you fought Holmes, when the fight ended, I looked at Angelo. He said the kid beat him, but they're gonna screw him on the decision. You got it. That's why I asked you that. I'm not gonna and talk then, real long. I'm not gonna talk real long. I just had then, a good time, and I just wanted to beat Larry Holmes because he talked negative. He, he downrated me. So I just wanted to give it to him. Um, win or lose, I just wanted to get in there with him because he treated me bad you, before you the won, fight. You won that. And with the second bone pressure fight with Angelo, he said to me, you know, Tim would have taken him out if Don King didn't exist. Right. But to go into a fight knowing that you're not, you're getting, he, he said he's not, he's not just fighting bone pressure. He's got to check behind his back for Don King. I was a good Don actor. King. If you see me in the ring, I acted pretty good. I probably would have got a, uh, what do they call them trophies you get? Hey, you know, Academy Award. Oh, awesome. well, you got one. Yeah. You got I did that pretty one. good. I did pretty good. Yeah, and I so, felt bad, though. I felt bad. My mom was crying. My daughters was crying. I had to call them up and told them, tell them what I did. Because I didn't tell them before the fight. Um, you know, and that's the way it ended out. I felt like I was some type of a person that was trying to um, straighten out boxing. I felt that I was doing something positive, and then we probably would have benefited later. 
So I didn't care. I took that, I made that decision, and Bone Crusher keeps saying, Tim, you know I knock you. I said, Bone, I'm telling you the truth. I met him several times, you know, in the public, and I said, Bone, I'm serious. I, I said, I really I apologize to you, um, but but we we went down. We went down to three. Look at the first fight. Every round almost beat. So that's what I talked yeah. to Bone Crusher about, and he still didn't want to believe it. Maybe you should have you pitched a shutout in the first fight again. Tim, can I ask you one more quick question? You remember when Larry Holmes jumped off that vehicle and landed on Mitch Green? Was it Mitch no, Green he landed on? Trevor, what the hell Trevor was Burbank. that all about, really? It was Trevor Wait, Burbank. What's that Mitch Green? No, I don't think it was Mitch Green. No, it wasn't Mitch Green. Trevor Burbank. Yeah, Burbank. Yeah, Trevor Burbank. From Canada, Burbank. Yeah, you know we right, put on the act. We got to put on the act. We got to put on the actor with no, no, no. Trevor, he was pissed off because Trevor Burbick, who I knew, who was murdered by his own nephews in yes. Jamaica, Trevor yeah, Burbick yeah. was saying, I and I spoke to Larry's wife, he was saying horrific things to Larry's wife. Yes. Oh, yes. It had to and be Holmes, something personal because who does that? It, was. it had to be. You don't do that. You don't make it personal. Before the fight with Buster Douglas, his, uh, with Tyson, Buster Douglas's a mother died. Tyson said some terrible things to Douglas about his mother after she died, and wow. Angelo, Angelo just said, "Why would you do that? You don't want the guy already wants to beat you. Now you're giving him an extra incentive to beat you. Yeah. You know, mothers are off limits. So it was wow. ridiculous. Well, but I think it, I was going to say that you know, as Angelo said, to go in to not to belabor it, but the second fight with Bone Crusher, just to have emotionally, to have being attacked like you were by Don King, to have a criminal stealing your money and threatening you. And, and meanwhile, you know, at, there's a point, Angelo said, where a guy just goes, you know what, just leave me alone. I just want to get out of here. Is that, is that Don King still around, Tim? Is that guy actually yeah, still yeah. trying to do stuff? Well, they, well, well I'm sure they're they're arrogant, a lot of them, I think, yeah, they 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 know more. Um, you know what? I just left it alone. Um, Don King was doing a lot of negative things to a lot of different people. He's but a I, can't, I can't go on with my life if I keep talking about Don King. So I had to make that decision and go move forward. Stop talking. But you can't avoid talking. To, people ask you questions. What happened here? What happened there? And 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 he's still winning. He winning the battle, and you got to keep talking about him. Right. I really, I really like the guy, even though he ripped me off. Because there is, I seen inside, in close, and intimate meaning talking face to face. I seen some good in him, even though he oh, yeah. did that stuff. So the only one. I tried to get him to do better. I tried to say, hey, "Don, can't you do this?" He was like, "Timmy," he said, "Get out the office." When I tried to ch try to get him to do good, to do good. So, um, so and every time I see him, he give me a hug. He say hi. But even though he ripped me off, I was mad about that. But I gotta go on with my life. I'm not gonna right. let him destroy right. me because I gotta have. Look what I'm doing now. Okay. We're on the podcast. Tim, can I, can I tell better, you? Better, not better. Tim, can I tell you a story? Yeah. That in the 1940s and 50s, there was I wasn't a, born. Well, there was a Canadian fighter named Little Arthur King. Okay. And Little Arthur King was number one ranked lightweight in the world when Ike Williams was the world champion. Ike Williams. And Arthur King was having trouble getting fights. He's based in Toronto. So he had to go to New York. And once he arrives in New York, 
there's a knock on his door where his manager is with him from Toronto. It's Blinky Palermo. Who's oh, God, Blinky. And Blinky, <laughs> to him. and Blinky points a gun at him and just says to the manager, to the manager, you're gone. Don't even get your bags. And so what happens is uh, he never gets a shot at Williams. Um, and, and he fights in the States. A Canadian promoter, Frank Tunney, had to pay six, seven hundred grand back then to break to get him out of his contract with Carbo so he could come back to live to Toronto. I met Arthur King in the 80s and I brought this up and he went, I can't talk about Carbo or Palermo. I just can't. I said, why not? He said, because if I did, I'd go buy a gun and go down there and kill them. Wow. He said, for what they did to me, not just denying the title fight, but the way they ruined my life and my family, I, how I didn't murder them is beyond me. And I Amazing. wasn't the only one. He yes. said, Ike Williams ended up broke and living in a park. So I had a face to face with Blinky. I had a face to face with really? him. Really? Yeah. 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 Well, we call him Uncle Frank, like the black boxers and stuff in the, from Philly and South Philly that box, we call him Uncle Frank. Um, I met him a couple of times. Yes, he approached me, um, but in a nice way. He approached me in a nice way and talked to me about trying to settle the lawsuit with Don. Um, it wasn't no aggression, like really trying to get to me. Um, but sometimes when people talk like you, they're aggressive, but you don't realize it that when they're trying to think in their mind, you can get, but he, we called him uncle Frank. I call him, I called him, uh, uncle Frank a couple of times. Hey, and he was really nice to me, but he was serious about trying to settle the lawsuit. So I talked to him and then after that, um, we just left it at that. We just left it at that. At you know, that. when he came out of prison. It was Don King who hired him. Car and Palermo worked with Sonny Liston. And wow, Palermo, yep. Palermo's, I mean, he, Palermo also, he was a numbers runner in Philly, but he was also a, a hitman for Murder, Inc., so, as was Carbo. So there's a famous story Angelo told me about him walking into a Philadelphia gym, and he said there's about five or six African-Americans there working out. And he walks up to these guys and he says, you guys all now work for Don King. And one of the men turned to him and said, we're not boxers. We're just working out. I'm, I'm an orthodontist. That guy there is an accountant. Uh, that person over there is an actuary. He's a lawyer. We don't want to be boxers. We're just exercising. You know, but Blinky had threatened them. Like, you got to work for Don King. Yeah, I don't do this for a living. Wow. There's a lot of there was a lot of brothers that um in in a kind of not direct way but there was some some brothers there's some Muslim boxers and um they they I mean I'm I'm just saying that maybe there was some words directed towards them but they wouldn't bother them that much. No, that's um, because of Ali with the Nation of Islam when Ali won. Yeah, and when Ali beat Liston the first time. Uh, Tony Pro Provenzano. There was some respect between right. the both of them. And Pro, Tony Pro Provenzano and Fat Tony Salerno were in were in Miami Beach, and they approached Angelo and they said, "We get we get a part of him." And Angelo said, "I'm just a trainer." And then Herbert Muhammad came out and said, "You get nothing. You've ripped off enough black fighters for the last 150 years." And 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 the mob guy said, "Well, hey, hey, you know, I got guys." And, and we're armed. And he said, listen, you have what? Across the country, three grand, 4,000 people. We got 85,000 Muslims who are licensed to carry firearms. If you want to fight, let's do it. You're, You're done. right about that. 
and they said you're they just said you're done you get nothing out of Ali. it wasn't worth it no they would have wiped the mob out and easily wow yeah man so, you know no, this listen i didn't have no troubles i didn't have no troubles or anything um i knew the stuff was going on they did not play either. The, 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 the Italian mob, they didn't play. No, but there was, there was a lot of Muslims around, young and old. A lot of them was, was really serious about Islam. But, you know, you just couldn't mess with certain people. No. They, protect, they protected them. Well, that was the thing with Liston and Ali. People said Liston was afraid of the, of, of the foy, the fruit of Islam, the, the security wing. They wasn't going to mess with Sonny. They loved him too. They right. loved Sonny. I, I thought Sonny had the mafia behind him. Why oh, okay. I was young. I was young then. <laughs> yeah, Sonny had the mob behind him. He had Tony Accardo, the 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 most powerful mob boss in the history of the United States in Chicago, the outfit behind him, and he he also had had uh, a Palermo. He had Frankie Carbo. So he had a lot of different managers listed, and listed. Liston was a headbreaker for the mob. He was feared in prison, you know. So, and and when I spoke to Muhammad, um, you know, one time I said, when you when you went to the center of the ring for that first fight, were you really afraid of him? He said, "Are you that stupid?" He said, "Are you kidding me? I was scared shitless. I was terrified of him." But Angelo said to me, "He's older than baseball," you know. This guy, he, he said, my, and he said, my brother Chris promoted him in the late 30s. Sailor board, Sonny Liston. He had the posters to show it. So he said, this guy's not 32. He's in his 40s, and he hasn't trained, and he thinks he's going to take you in a round. And, and after the first round ended, and Muhammad comes back to the corner, Angelo slaps him on the leg and says, how about that? You're still here. <laughs> and second round, you're still here third round and then i'll and then and he just said you know when he blinded ali ali got angry and then started to call his punches here comes a double jab bang bang here comes a right hand here comes a combination he's pounding him and he's telling him what punches he's going to throw and he lands them. so wow. he was and and ali wasn't afraid after the fight he said he, he's a dirty fighter he's got the he's got criminal elements behind him he's got the mob behind him and the mob tried to blind me and, and and Allah protected me, and and he, I want the world to know that Sonny Liston was it's not even a match. You know that's what he said. He didn't lay a hand on me, couldn't hurt me. And Ali wasn't worried about the mob. No, no, he wasn't. I know for a fact he wasn't worried about them. I was born and raised in South Philly. A lot of the you know the the, the a lot of Italian brothers, and we we lived together. We lived together, and you know and. But I know that 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 they, he wasn't worrying about Ali wasn't worrying about the mob. No. The mob wasn't worrying about them either. So it would have been the fight and somebody get hurt. That's all. That's the thing about the second fight when people say it was fixed. But I don't buy that because the, the mob had no reason for Liston to go down like that. Even the first fight they said was fixed. The mob would only let a title change hands if they controlled both interests of each fighter, and they didn't control Ali. And and in the second fight, you know, uh, Ali had the hernia. It was delayed six months. Liston stopped training, and Ali caught him with a good shot. And it was the same punch that he knocked Foreman out with. It was the same punch that he knocked out a bunch of guys with. Same punch he dropped Carl Mildenberger with. You know, he hit that, that slip slide, slip slide, bang. Angelo called it. I'm a boxer. There's only five seconds. 
And I don't, it looked to me like that wasn't a hard enough punch. He should, he could have got up. Now you could take it from there, but that <laughs> punch to Ali and I was his sparring partner. And, and, and when he Let put that Holmes, but he was sick, but just looking at it, that's not a hard, to me, it wasn't a hard enough punch to make him stay on the canvas. Well, Liston, I respect that. Liston's shoulders shuddered, but Angelo noticed something. He said when Liston threw his left jab, as you would know, his head was out over his front foot, his left foot, meaning he was off balance. That's why he told Ali, take a step to your right and bang him with the right hand. And, and go and like the, this, boom, boom, right hand. That's what he went. Right, and the important, the important thing to remember is that almost happened 10 seconds into the fight. And the first 10 seconds, we watched the tape tonight on YouTube. First 10 seconds, Ali comes out right at Liston. Liston throws a jab. Ali slips it and then and, and then hits him with the right hand. And Liston's knees buckle. And that's 10 seconds into the fight. You know, and I think if, if the fight had not been stopped, Liston still doesn't make it out of the first round. Ali was so hyped up and amped up at that point, he would have knocked him out. It's the movement after he hit the canvas that got me thinking that because the movement that he made afterwards, I've yeah. done that before with the bone crusher fight. So the referees could uh, the, the feel like, and the judges feel like <laughs> hey, maybe I was really hurt, but no, you might be, you might be right or, is, or are right. But, but, but the, you know, me looking at it, me looking at it, I'm saying, wow. But you know why, you know why he, like when he fell back, it's not a good actor listing. You know why he said he did that later? He said, I didn't do it because my head was fine. That's not why I fell back into the canvas and rolled over. I did it because Ali's a nutcase and he's running around the ring like a madman. And how do I know he's not going to hit me when I'm down or he's going to kick me? And if you look at him, Ali's running around the ring like a crazy man. And and when he, he listened and said, look at the tape. I was on my feet fighting back when they stopped the fight. The fight never should have been stopped. Um, the timekeeper, it was Nat Fleischer, who wasn't even there as an official, just as a writer, who's yelling at Walcott, who never refereed before or again, stopped the fight, the timekeeper called 10. Walcott, who was a wonderful man and a great champion, he never said, time, you go to this corner and you go to that corner. He never said to Ali, you go to the corner or it's over, stay there. He didn't do that. Fleischer got involved, everything got screwed up. And then the timekeeper said he was on the mat for more than 10 seconds. The fight is over. So it, it was a complete wash. And and Ali, when I spoke to him, said his biggest regret was that Liston died in 1970 and he never got a chance to sit down and talk with him. He said, oh, I, never, yeah. I never hated him. I never disliked him. It was okay. all just to pump up the gate. You know, he had a bad life. And, you know, he was a victim as much as anyone else. So... It, it, it was sad. And of course, Liston got nothing for that fight. And he got nothing for the first fight because the mob took all his money and, and ran up charges on his. I, I already, I already died pretty much broke. Is that not true? True. Yeah, he was, broke. He, like the he guy was, was actually broke. Yeah. He was broke. He had no money. The mob had stolen all his money. And yeah, was, that's what I heard. there was nothing he could do. And, and he had other fights, but he got nothing for them. And they stole his money throughout his career. They just used him. And typical mob, once you be used and you're done, too bad. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. And, and so Liston, when he wanted to, you know, when he moved to Vegas, he wanted to be a Shylock. He wanted to uh, be a loan shark. 
And I said, you're just my muscle for hire. That's all you are. And, and he said, well, I'll go to the press and say that to these guys. And as Tim said, these guys don't make idle, right? They, they don't say we're going to do this. You just end up dead. And that's yeah. what happened. Yeah, they don't tell you in advance. <laughs> no, no, never. I mean, they've never, they've never, I've never known, and Angela said this, they've never known a mob guy to make an idle threat. They just do it. They yeah. just do it. So, you, you know, I was and born and raised, I was born and raised five minutes from Angelo Bruno, Nikki Scarfer, where they used to be. We used to walk, we used to walk three Scarfo? minutes. Huh? You know Nikki Scarfo? That guy's a serious cat. Listen, no, I met him before. What? I met him before, but what I'm saying, they're only three minutes away from where I was born and raised. Oh, Matter of fact, my God. grandmom lived on this block. All you had to do was walk two minutes down and you're in the Italian neighborhood. Yeah, and oh, Scarfo was the one who had Angelo Bruno killed. And in fact, you can trace the- I'm not speaking on all that. <laughs> <laughs> When, when, I don't want to talk about this anymore, Lou. You can trace the Philadelphia mobster, Philadelphia mafia involvement in boxing all the way back to the second Tony Dempsey fight with uh, Max Boo Boo Hoff, who was a Jewish mobster in Philly. And when they wouldn't let Dempsey fight in New York because he wouldn't fight the black fighter Harry Wills, uh, they moved the fight, they had to move the fight within a week or two weeks to another location. And Boo Boo Hoff said, don't worry, you can bring it to Philadelphia. But we got to book the stadium. I'll get the stadium. We got to get the commission. I've got the commission. Don't You're worry. talking about the Jewish guy. Yeah, Boo Boo Hoff. I was Max born Boo and Boo raised right near the, the Jewish market. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Max right Boo Boo Hoff was a big time monster there. Oh, and okay. So, you know, oh, wow. so you go back. Wow. You can, not, not no, the Jewish had a market right where my block. I lived on right. in between seventh and sixth. Right on seventh was the Jewish market, and every time Christmas come, they put lights up and, oh, yeah. and everything. It was cool. We worked, and I, I told on the show before I mentioned that a lot of the young blacks worked for the Jewish on the Jewish market. We did, yeah. we did stuff for the Jewish people in the Jewish market. Yep. Yeah, That's there's history, man. This is cool. I like a, this. There was a fighter in Philadelphia. I'm not gonna make it a long story. I promise. But <laughs> named Owen Ziegler fought in the 1880s. And oh, shit. so he's fighting oh, then, shit. and his career is moving along, you find out, because he's got Philadelphia muscle behind him. So people in New York, you know, listen to the people in Philly, and they're, this is the 1880s, and they're trading off fighters. Damn. You know? Hey, guys, I just want to say something quick. This is the longest I've ever not heard Mike Orr say something. Mike, are you alive over there? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, you know, I'm, just, I'm just listening to the history, man. It's it's great. It's good. Yeah, me too. You know, obviously, we're completely blown away between uh, Tim and uh, honestly, honestly, is a real pleasure. Before, but before we get, we need to talk more. Right before now. we continue, before we continue with the history, just let me talk about the fights quick. I'll just mention yeah, okay. them. I'll yeah, just mention point. them and get them out of the way. <laughs> yes. Sorry. Yeah. That's it. That's it. We'll do it. We'll do it, guys. We missed. Uh, we missed the Fraser Clark uh, fight. It already happened, so I'm not going to really talk about it. I'm just going to tell you, go and watch it. Caroline Dubois, Aaron McKenna's on this one. Vidal Riley, Isaac Chamberlain, this card was packed. If you guys didn't get a chance to see it, it was this afternoon. Uh, you know, title was up for grabs at WBC. International middleweight was vacant. Uh, McKenna, Lima. I'll, I'll get, 
This one was good, mm-hmm. guys. Just go and watch it. Uh, next one. we got to talk about it. Tim Zhu, Carlos Ocampo coming up tomorrow. Uh, this one's great, guys. Also, we got Justin Frost taking on Hassan Hamden uh, for the Australian Super Light title. Like and then we also have Paisley Heppy taking on Troy Pilcher for the Australian National Boxing Federation Queensland Heavy title. Uh, so you guys can check that Ooh, one. Yeah, that was a mouthful, eh? That one's another way. Can I ask, can I ask a question of everyone? Yes. Crawford Spence. I got Crawford. Who's everyone else have? Or is it too soon to pick? Um, I think, real quick, I think that because I'm so harsh, not harsh, I'm so uh, aggressive with defense, they both need defense. They both good offense. Yeah. I don't see the old time stuff where they keep their hands closed. Anybody can get hit and lose that fight. That's the only thing I got to say. And I'm a good defensive boxer. I'm good. I'm okay offense. And these young people today, and always on the show, I'll be saying defense is really a problem on the day's boxers. The old timers used to do stuff like put their hands up and, you know, whip around and stuff like that. Now everybody just doing this. Yeah, that's right. That's it. That's it. So I, anybody can win that fight if they get caught. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Tomorrow, 8 p.m. Guys, uh, get ready for this one. Progress. Whoa, whoa. What's 8 p.m. tomorrow? 8 p.m. Progress Zarilla card. You're not going to yes. want to miss this one. Regis Progress. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I like Regis. Danilito. Danilito. Yeah, Danilito. Danilito Zarilla. Yeah, uh, that one's for the WBC World Superfly or Super Light. Uh, Ramallah Ali. Uh, is taking on uh, Jalissa Guzman for the IBF Intercontinental Super Bantam title. Uh, then, you know, the, the bottom of this card all filled up with some, you know, nice, nice uppercomers, man. Ginny Fox is on here. Uh, Aaron Aponte. Uh, we got Chakram Giasev. So this card's pretty stacked, too. This one gets ready at uh, underway at 8 o'clock. You know, Eddie Hearn, Matchroom Boxing, what can we say? Disowned. You know, they're always coming through with great, great events to watch. So, guys, remember that. We got one in the morning happening in Australia. We got one happening tomorrow night. And there was a card today that we did miss. Uh, so I'll let you guys go and watch that. I'm not going to tell you because I already know the outcome of all of it. But uh, I'm going to let you guys out there go and watch it. Because, uh, yeah, it was it was a good card. We it can't did. get the cards because we're not rich like you. Go watch, get every show and stuff. Did, I just did, like, you and you'll get all the shows and stuff. Did, did, you, did you see that Mike, everybody picks a guy? Did, you see, gonna did you see the weigh-in with Fraser Clark? No, I missed that. I missed that. <laughs> was, it, was it another? Was it another slap off? What well, weight no, class no. is it? What it, weight class? Fraser Clark looks up, looks up at the guy and goes, "Ooh, he, he's a big boy." <laughs> he's heavyweight. Yeah. Yeah. He's heavyweight. Yeah, I, I, I think they're super heavyweights, actually. Like, wow. uh, yeah, these, these guys, these guys are big boys, and um, you know the guy that he, the guy that he took on is a veteran in this game, and he's been around a real long time. Yeah, um, Marus, uh, was it Marusa? Uh, walk, Marius Walk. Yeah, yeah. Walk. Yeah, man, this guy, this guy's no joke. Like, he's a big boy, you know. He's been around a long time in this game, and honestly, wow. Seventy-one, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So you're not gonna tell us who won? Yeah. No. Like, right. ah, you really want to know? Do you really want to know? Should, well, should, should I, I, really, no, I don't want to know. Okay. <laughs> I want to do my own pick. Clark, Clark on points. Really? Took it on points, guys. That's uh, that's the outcome of that one. Wow. Yeah. That's that's a shocker. Uh, actually, it is a shocker that you know that means that uh, Fraser Clark is now improved to seven and zero. 
Somebody said the Wayne was crazy, huh? Oh, totally. The good the, the guy he fought was a monster. Mm -hmm. I'm blown I'm blown away he won. Six that's seven a, and six seven and a half with an eighty-two inch reach. That's a, that's good for Team GB, quite frankly. Yeah. Uh, did Caroline Dubois come through? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Come wow. on. Man. You know, I, I really I really like what she's saying lately. I mean, she's saying the right things. Yeah, that went the distance as well. Um, uh, her her opponent was down around five, and uh, yeah, went the distance. Good so, for her. Yeah, did you ever see that um that film of the clip of one of my favorite fighters, Ann Wolf, and she knocked out Vonda. Ann Wolf. Yeah. Vonda, whatever her name was, White or something, or Rhymes or something. And Ronda Rhimes was like six, seven. Yeah, that was a nastiest shot. Like, whoa. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. It was just, she was yeah. a Caucasian girl, yeah. right? And she was out for a good 20 minutes. Yeah, like drop. Yo, drop her. I seen that big, tall girl. And we started jumping around the ring. Well, yeah, right? and, and, and when I spoke to Ann, she said that. She, she said, I'm just waiting. She's going to, I'm just waiting. She's going to throw that right hand. And then she's gonna drop it. She's yep. not gonna bring it back. And the minute she throws oh. it, she flipped it, and that was it. And I tell you, how you get a special conversation with Ann Wolf, and we couldn't. How you do? <laughs> what that? do you mean we couldn't? I can get that. Oh, okay. Yeah, Ann okay. Wolf's All on right. Facebook. She's also she's a she's in the Hall of Fame, which is great. She's yes. a very very kind person. She's tough. She's very she tough. tough. Honestly. Will you, think yeah, about, yeah. will you think about her and and um the gold medalist girl? What you think? And Wolf. She toughened in the gold medalist girl. What's her name? Larissa Shields. Yeah. I, I think Ann Wolf tougher than her. I would never bet against Ann Wolf ever. She's fundamentally. Oh, strong. wait a minute, wait a minute. You don't think I that Ann Wolf would lose then. I would never bet against her because I would lose. Guaranteed. Yeah, I, I would get bet against who? No, Ann never bet against Ann Wolf. Yeah, that's what I'm oh, saying. Right. Yeah, no. I would never bet against Ann Wolf because Lou said never bet against that, Ann Wolf. That, was not, that knockout is like on every highlight for women's fighting. And it was on there up until Estrada knocked that girl out with seven punches. And, seven. and now that one is getting talked about. That was that was bad matchmaking, first of all. That was mean. That was yeah, mean. That was mean. You know what? Estrada, girl. I told you, Mikey, about Estrada. You know, I got to tell you, though. I, I told them, Tim. I told the world about Estrada. Ask, ask the boss over there. No, 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 no. I, Whatever. What, you, you got me on this? You one? up there. Listen to you up there. You up there. How about this guy? How about this guy? Okay, you Brady, Brady Bunch. Right. Right. Hey, I got to tell you, though. Ann Wolf said I couldn't have hit that lady any harder if I was in my car. Oh my god, that was, whoa, it was a nasty whoa, like, whoa, she nice was so out. She was like so out that her feet came up from underneath her. And oh, yeah, oh, it was like, woo! That's the way Joe Lewis that was, was a hell of a knockout there. That that's, was a hell of a literally, knockout. Literally, that's the way that's that's the kind of knockout that I look for for my knockout of the week show. Like, that's oh, what right. I want to do. You think, do you think that if that girl would have had more, not and with the other girl, had more, more training? Or more somebody that was really good in a corner that she would have beaten. No. She had everything. She had arm length. She had everything. You know, she just couldn't she, fight like Ann Wolf. And she didn't have balance. And you mentioned the fighter okay. earlier, Walk, who was tall. Tall guys like David Price, who was six nine, and guys and guys like Tyson. How tall was she? She was six seven or something. Yeah, six, something like that. But she she had no balance. And this is what kills she me. That big feet. Yeah, and when people say. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 
You know, Tyson Fury is a boxer like Muhammad Ali. It's not even remotely. No. no one was a boxer like Muhammad Ali. No one. You can't compare. Ty Tyson Fury doesn't go two rounds with Muhammad Ali. Muhammad would have stood there and yelled, Oh, Timber. my God. Tim, that Ali guy, you would have smoked him. Yeah, Ali, all those guys would have smoked him. Tim would have taken oh, know, yeah. Fury in a couple of rounds. I mean, a guy like that, it was easy to hit and easy to knock down, you know. So, yeah, those guys don't don't compare. They don't stand Yo, it wouldn't have been easy. It wouldn't have been easy because I was with him. He is tough. He has plenty of heart. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't been easy. I, I, you know, I can't predict right now. But, you, but you, um, I see all the situations where I could, I can land shots. So I think that it would be easy for me to land shots. You I also so. punch. You also punch so. effectively moving backwards, which most guys can't. Right. Okay. Okay. I, I, I think we could probably talk for another hour about the current heavyweight division. What a Next mess! Show. What a mess! <laughs> yeah. Like how, how you gotta talk more on next week's show. Yeah, well, we, 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 I just we will. Know, yeah, Graham, are we gonna have predictions? Oh, so anyway, uh, Lou had asked about uh, Terrence Bud Crawford, and uh, and that's who I'm picking in that fight. By the way, Me between too. Errol Spence, yeah. uh, only because he's got that anger, he's got that fire in him. If you ask me. Uh, he's got yeah. such explosive energy that can come at the drop of a hat, like, and it's and it's vicious. It's vicious. See, Although, is Spence is the is the quicker man. Yes, man. yes. But I don't. It's all going to boil down to who gets hit because, <laughs> like I keep saying, and every time I keep saying the defense, the defense. Um, um, if, if Spence don't keep his hands in the right, but but what's the other guy? He keep his hands up more, more than Spence. Yeah. He does. He keeps his hands here. Yeah. Spence be like and, this. More. And he's yeah. ambidextrous. He can fight southpaw or orthodox, and he's happy doing both. He's actually better as a southpaw. What handed is he? What hand is he really? He said he's he, he said he's naturally ambidextrous. He can do both. Yeah. Okay. And he's always been that way. He's like a switch hitter in baseball. <laughs> Right. Well, when the ball don't hit you, if the ball hits you, you in trouble. <laughs> you got to have a defense also. <laughs> well, that's, Tim, that's what Angelo Dundee would say to kids when he would tell them, amateurs, you shouldn't be in the program because he would say, you can really punch, but you have no defense. And he said, you have to have skill because if you hit a guy your best shot and he's still there, you have to have the technique to beat him on points, concede the knockout. And he said, you don't have the defense and you can't learn defense as a pro. That's right. when they get killed. Right. Not tiddlywinks. This is a sport where people get hurt badly. Guys right. like Tim. Wait a minute. Real quick, I do believe you can learn anything all doing. It's up to you to accept it. Right. I, you could be 100 years old. You can learn how to keep your hand here, but it's up to you to keep it there. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that that it like is over at a certain age. You can always learn. I don't care if you're 100 years old. Well. Keep your hands up there like this. But you are you are a master boxer, so that's you know, there are not many people that had those kind of skills then. Or exactly. In any way. Yeah. My defense well, kept me in the I'm game. Gonna go, I'm I get Bud Crawford too. Bud Crawford on that one, guys. I'll take Bud because of the defense, Tim, because he keeps yep. his head higher. Errol's more like Crawford. down here. Bud's I think like their defense is, is 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 like the same. Yeah. You no, know, Crawford is a little bit more tighter than. Than, than other boxer, he right. is. 
Crawford. He's a little bit more tighter. Tighter, yeah. But when tighter. the punches come, you got to be able to you got to be able to uh, engage with the with with the punches. And neither one of them engages properly. Now this is this is this is a typical thing you do. Put your hands up. But there's more to it. You got to learn how to block and counter. Keep your hand up, counter. They don't know how to do that. They just right. know how to keep their hands up. Right. That's what I've seen. That's why yeah, Duran was great. Duran was almost impossible. Ray Leonard said Duran was the best defensive fighter he ever faced, even better than Benitez, because Duran was almost impossible to catch with a flush shot. Because Benitez was a mover defense. The radar. He was a mover defense. Yeah. You couldn't hit him. Duran was more in tight defense. Right. Move and slip. Right. Yeah, hey, this is really good. I like this. We have somebody asking a question. They want to know what you guys think about Zoo and Ocampo. Tim Zoo by knockout. Yeah. By yeah. knockout. I got, I got the thunder from down under. Tim Tazoo to take it down. Knockout, Lou. You're on it. Tim Tazoo to take it down. I told you two years ago. You've seen it, Lou. On my. I yes. told you he's gonna be a world champion, Tim. I told everybody he's doing it right now. Well, his name is Tim. He's going to win since the beginning. His name is Tim. He's going to win. He has to. He's going to win. Gotta like that action. He comes from a fighting family. Thanks, Tim. Before, 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 he eats, lives, and sleeps boxing. So you know. Before, before, before we back out of this episode. What what are, what are your comments regarding uh, Tifimo Lopez? I mean, he, he wins the battle, but loses the war. If you ask me, uh, he's vacated his title, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and says he wants uh, in order to get back into the ring, wants a five year deal, hundred million bucks. Is he that is he that big of a draw? My answer is no. I, I don't know. I, if you, I, I, I don't know if you're following that that that. Yeah. Who I what? He retired? I thought he retired. Then he. He wants his money, but boxing, as Tim knows, comes down to one, as we all know, asses in the seats. So there were so many great fighters or good fighters over the years that would say, well, I want this amount and I want that amount and I win. Winky Wright was a brilliant fighter, but doesn't put asses in the seats. Guys who put asses in the seats and, and scored, you know. Look, look, I hate to cut you off. Lopez is a very good boxer. Yeah. I think he needed to wait a little bit longer just to get his greatness. He's good. If he wait a little bit long and go along with some stuff just to see what it's all about, I do believe that he can probably get what he wants. He went up to a bigger weight. He didn't really. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Is it Teo Fermo you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't hear anything about if this he, guy. Sometimes you got to wait. Sometimes you got to wait just to get that yeah, bigger yeah. picture. Well, um, but he's good. Everybody loves him. Everybody loves him. But he might have to just wait just a little bit longer to get his Muhammad Ali uh, level. You know what? <laughs> I'm just saying. I'll tell you, you know, know, after, after, after last weekend, though, he looks good at 140. He does. You like that? Did you like that? Um, looks good at 140. Um, I'm not going to lie. He looks good at 140. Underdog, Tim, and I took him down. Um, he was an underdog. He did look good. He did look good. But against much, much tougher opponents, He's going to have to need me to show him this. Yeah. They keep showing it. Do you see him do that? Yeah, that's right. You see him do that near the end of the fight? Yeah, and that's what you taught him on the street. He was showing. He, he did that. And I know he'd be doing that in the workouts and stuff. Tim, I know he'd be doing you that. Taught, you taught him that on the street. There was that video, remember? And he, and he kept it. Kept it. So look. Did he do that a lot? Did he do it a lot? Or just, just a little? A little bit near the end. 
Okay. So here, 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 here's, here's the big question that to end off the show. Then, is the is the is the Crawford Spence fight worth eighty five dollars pay per view U.S. No. dollars without them announcing an undercard? No. That's a good question, know. but I tell you, I have a friend downtown who has an Android, an Android <laughs> box. So I'm going to go to his house and watch watch it. I probably shouldn't say that, but. Um, well, you know, that, that is that is the discussions going on right now. Like that's how right. I watch them. It, you better. It's not Tommy Hearns and Sugar Ray Leonard. Right. It's surely not that. No, that's right. Um, that was. Yeah. It's not Marvin Hagler and Sugar Ray. Is you know, it's not that type of fight. But it's this modern day, um, uh, fight of people that supporters that support each one of them. But it's, to me, it's not as big and great as Sugar Ray or Tommy Hearns or Benitez or that type of fight. It's not. As big as those guys. But Kim, I remember when Leonard fought Hagler. I went down here to Maple Leaf Gardens to get tickets for closed circuit. People were waiting in line fighting each other to get tickets. Wow. There was. You know, there's no way I'm missing this fight. Get out of my way. You already got four tickets. You can't get right. anymore. I want my right. ticket. So you had to see that fight. And I went to see it. I'm glad I did. But, Yo, but juice? you know, Crawford and, and Spence is a great fight. But you know, they made the fans wait so long for it. The same as Pacquiao and that Mayweather. That's heavy there, Neil. Hmm? I'm talking to Neil. Right. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I uh, said that uh, juice, uh, it sounded like that juice uh, was, had a lot of weight to it that you put down on the table there. And it sounded very yeah. tight. It's actually nice lemonade. I like lemonade in the, in the summertime. <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry to cut you off, Lou. I just had to call him oh, no out. <laughs> I, was I called him because, I was I called him because he didn't give us all beer. <laughs> I'll give you all the beer. I'll, I'll deliver it right now if you really need it. Cool. Hey, you got your address. I'm, I'm waiting. All right. Let's go. We must be from Canada somewhere. Let's our go beer's back. good, Tim. We got good we beer up here. One last thing. You in Canada? Yeah. We're, clo we're closing out. We're closing oh, out the show. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, Toronto, Canada, Toronto, Canada. Frank the Animal Fletcher. Yeah. Russell Peltz at him. I saw Frank the Animal Fletcher fighting uh, on TV one day. And he's still in jail. He's still in that's jail. Right. right. And he was fighting. Yeah. He was fighting Juan Rodan, the middleweight. Okay. Built like a, Rodan. Yeah. Built like a Buick. And Rodan hit him a punch, and and Fletcher did like two back somersaults across the ring. And when the round ended, the doctor came over and said, and it was in Vegas, and said, "You know where you are?" He said, "New York." And he said, "No." And his manager said, "Wait a minute. He's not good in geography. He didn't know where he was before the fight." The punch didn't make any so, if he would have got it right, they would have been worried. Yeah, <laughs> I know him and his brother were really good fighters. I think Anthony Fletcher was a much better skillful boxer. Yeah. He also went and was incarcerated. Um, and I think he got out. He's really they was really nice guys. They just got caught up in bad stuff. They're from West Philly. I'm from South Philadelphia. They have North Philly, where Joe Frazier is. Then you have Germantown, uh, Ivan Robinson. You know, so there's boxers in all those different areas. That did really. Saad Muhammad is from South Philly, right near the Italian market. You know, one of the um, William the Everett brothers, William Detloff, the writer, told me the problem. Is Jeff Chandler, Jeff Chandler. Yeah. We all from the Jeff Chandler. He was a great fighter. Yeah. When the, yeah, we all from the same like ten minutes away. When these wow. fighters ten end up going away. to jail, they train them. Say that again. They train them in skills that they can't use when they get out. And <laughs> so like Bernard Hopkins. 
Well, Bernard Hopkins is from yeah. Germantown area. He went, he went. He went to the big house and he learned how to fight. Right, but that was yes. one of the few other ones who, were, like Matthew Saad Muhammad, learned carpentry or different things, and and just difficult to get a job when you come out like that. You know, that's yeah. why a lot of fighters yeah. do strong. I didn't know he was incarcerated. I was his sparring partner, and I used to go down there near the Italian market where um, they had the gym, Juniper Gym. Uh, Lou Bell Fury. They had the gym down there, and, and um, that's where all a lot of the lighter weights. Jeff Chandler was with Saad Muhammad. There's in the same gym. That's when I was an amateur. I just started. I was sparring with Saad Muhammad every day, and um, I saw met Jeff and 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 the Everett brothers. They were all there. That was cool, man. I'm blessed. Nick Bell Fury wow, sure. brother should be in the Hall of Fame. He's a great trainer. Nick Bell Fury, the trainer. His brother should be in the Hall of Fame. The guy could train. There you go. His brother, his brother with name is Joe, right? Nick. No, Nick was the older brother. Right, that's right. Joe was, yeah, he was the really boxer. He was the one that, yeah, you're right. His name was Joe, right? Yeah. yeah. I was with them a lot, man. Joe was quiet. Nick was kind of quiet. But then he get when he get that Italian anger, he'll, he'll let you know what time it is. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Alfonso Evan was there. Yeah. Scott Muhammad, the Everett brothers. I can't believe, man. I've been, I've been in a lot of different gyms. I'm blessed, man. Yes. I don't even know well, if I belong. We're blessed him to have you doing that, so we can watch. As I was a child, going, wow. Well, we gotta come I back next week. Mind. Let's all try we to be back here next week we and will. have a big show. We will next week. That's it. We will next week. Louie, you coming we're back busy, next week? Man. Yeah, I'd love to. The best. Big okay. awesome. Yours. Awesome. Well, guys, you know what it is, man. We ran this one a little late today. It was great. It was a great talk. Super you know, Tim. Thank you for coming Happy and joining. Happy Father's Day. Yes. Happy Father's Day. Thank you. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day out there, guys. To all the Tucker Fight fans, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Friday Night Panel. We'll see you next week. Same time, same panel, new topics. You know what it is. Peace. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you.